Our subject tonight is just simply, you can change. You can change. Let's everybody confess, say, I, I can change. change. All right. Um, I think it's really important that as born again believers, that we recognize that we were made and we were saved for change. Uh, none of us in here should ever think or should ever be at a state of comfort where we feel like there's nothing else for us to learn and we don't have any more room to grow. We all must change. We all need to change if we're going to let God use us to be vessels of honor and vessels of courage, vessels who can take his kingdom agenda out to a dying world and help transform this world, okay? And so the text says here uh, in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, Paul's letter, second letter to the saints at Corinth, he says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a, what, new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The KJV says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become what? New. All right. If any man's in Christ, he becomes a new creature, a new creation. Amen. And so uh, just by the very fact of the Bible telling us that we are a new person, we are a new creation. That means that something has to be different about us uh, as, as a believer than what it was before we became a born again believer. Right. All right, so let's go to 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. 1 Timothy chapter number four, and we'll start at verse number one, and we'll read on down uh, through uh, verse number eight for our initial reading. Because again, the subject is you can change, but the reason why that needs to be stated is because sometimes uh, if we're not careful, we get into a position or a point to where we feel like, um, you know, we're trapped in doing things a certain way. Uh, some people are asking the question, well, how, how do I change an ungodly lifestyle and become godly? How do, I, how do I change from being insensitive to being more sensitive? How do I change from being critical to being appreciative? Uh, how do I change from being maybe a lazy person to a person who, who, who works, who does, who runs hard for the Lord? Because I know in the body of Christ sometimes, uh, if we're not careful, we'll be that Christian who who sits back and watches everybody else do the work and we just watch them do the work. Uh, all of us have been saved and all of us have giftings and all of us have the ability to help support the work of ministry. Now, obviously, we do it in different areas and different levels. I would not expect Sister Henry. Sister Henry, you are, what, 80, 85 years old. I Tomorrow, you'll be 85. Well, happy birthday before your birthday. Amen. God bless you. Now, I certainly would not expect Sister Henry to be able to do some of the things that she did when she was 35. Amen. But guess what? Sister Henry has valuable contributions that she can uh, give to this body, even as an 85 year old. Amen. So all of us have the opportunity to help support the work of ministry in our own individual and unique ways. Would y'all agree with that? Amen. But we got to we got to we got to 
We've got to recognize that we can change. If we are a new creature in Christ, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new, then we need to begin to see that newness of life being exploited or being shown in how we live, how we give, how we treat people. Because the only God that some people are going to see is the God that's in you. Can I get a witness? Everybody say, I can change. How do you change from being a selfish person to being a person who's giving and generous? How do you change from, from pride to humility, from, from holding grudges to having a forgiving spirit, from, from a lustful thoughts to thoughts that are pleasing to God? Amen. In, in other words, how do you become that godly person that Paul talked about here uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, chapter, verse number 17? Now, look, look what Paul tells Timothy here, Timothy, his son in the ministry, in this fourth chapter. Now, look, notice what he says here. Now, the Holy Spirit, we all read with me, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. Now, when did they say this is going to happen? It says in the last days, right? And we know from studying our scripture that the last days period began, amen, with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? So we're living in what is known as prophetically the last days, the end times, okay? So these people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. Verse number three, let's read, they will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, all right? But God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Verse four says, since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. Now, next verse says, for we know it is made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. Verse six, if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Seven and eight. Now watch what he says here. Don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be what? Godly. Train yourself to be godly. The next verse says what? Uh, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Now, again, you can change. You can change. Back up to what he says in verse number seven. Let's, let me just chew on it just for a little bit before we jump into the rest of this text. Notice what Paul told young Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor. Don't forget the role. Uh, he, was, he was Paul's son in the ministry, and he was pastoring the church. And he tells Timothy, don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. So what this tells me right here is that uh, when he tells Timothy, who's a born again believer, to train yourself to be godly, that lets me know that being godly is not automatic for us. That lets me know that to be godly for a human being is abnormal. It's, it's, it's supernatural. It's, it's, it's beyond natural to be godly. All of us were born in this world with a sin nature. And we were born in sin, the Bible says, and shaped in iniquity. So it is natural for us to be ungodly. It's natural for us not to do things God's way. 
So if we're going to change, if, if we recognize that we're going to change, we have to recognize that there's going to be some training that's involved. He told Timothy to train yourself to be godly. You don't, you don't just wake up and one day you start acting godly. There's training involved. You have to train your flesh. You have to train even your, your soul ram to, to get focused in on the things of God. Amen. Because remember, we tell you we're three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. The spirit man is what's reborn, but our soul and our body have to be dealt with. So Paul tells Timothy to train yourself to be godly. In verse number eight, let's read it again. He says, what? Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So when I train myself to be spiritual, I reap benefits on this side and on the other side. Are you, tra- are you tracking with me today? When I train myself to be godly, I reap the benefits on this side and on the other side when I get to heaven. Amen. When, when, when this whole situation just wraps up and we're raptured up out of here, we're going to receive benefits on the other side. Because Remember we talked about the beam of judgment seat of Christ? Remember we said that we're going to get rewards, right? When we get to heaven, uh, when, we, when we do things the way God wants to do, when our works are evaluated and they are lasting, we will receive a reward. Can I get a witness? So when we get into this thing about change, look at your outline. The first step we said in the change process is becoming a born again believer. Everybody say born again believer. Real quickly, somebody tell me, what's the first step to being born again? Say it again. Acknowledge that you need salvation, Right. If you don't acknowledge it, if you don't, if you think you're good enough, if you think that you're a good person and don't recognize the need for salvation, you won't come to Jesus. So, so let's, 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 let's say that I acknowledge that I, I'm in need of a savior. Somebody has told me that and explained my need for a savior. So what else, what do I do after acknowledging that I need a savior? What's the second thing I got to do? Huh? Okay, all right. I got to believe something. I got to, first of all, I got to acknowledge that I need a savior. All right. But who is that savior? Well, first of all, acknowledge that I got to believe that Jesus is God's son. I got to believe that he died on the cross for my sin. I got to believe that he was God manifesting the flesh, died on Calvary's hill, buried and was resurrected the third day morning according to what the scripture teaches. I got to believe that. I got to know that, listen, I, I wasn't there. I didn't see him do it. But by faith, I know that he did it. Are you listening to me? This is crucially important because if you're going to be an effective witness for Christ, you got to be able to tell somebody how to get saved. So first of all, I got to acknowledge that, that I need a savior, right? And because I'm not good enough in my own flesh and in my own natural element. I'm not good enough to go before a presence of a holy God. So God made a way for me to be able to come in this present and I got to believe something. I got to believe that Jesus is God's son. He died on the cross for my sin, was buried, resurrected Thursday morning, according to the scripture with all power in heaven and earth in his hand. Then the third thing I got to do is what? Okay, I have to invite him into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. Jesus will not come up and wrestle you and, and throw you down and say, you're going to accept me. After hearing about him and hearing what he did and hearing that he is the way to get into a personal relationship with, with God, then I have to invite him in. I have to yield my will to his will. 
So that, that three-step process, acknowledging that I need a Savior, believe that Jesus is that Savior, he, he's God in the flesh, he died on the cross for my sin, and as a result of, of his death, burial, and resurrection, I have the privilege to enter into a personal relationship with the God who created the heavens and earth. And after believing it, I have to invite him in and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Those are the three basic steps to receiving Christ your personal Savior. Now, notice I did not say get baptized. Baptism comes after salvation. Now, you should be baptized. You need to be baptized because baptism is the first commandment of obedience. One of the ways that you know that someone really, truly has accepted Christ as their personal Savior is that they walk in obedience to what God's word says. So if the first commandment of obedience is for me to be baptized, why would I get saved and then refuse to get baptized? Baptism doesn't save me, but it's the outward show. It's the outward reflection to the whole world that I've died to the old man and now I'm resurrected to the new man. Are y'all with me? So again, if, if, if I am going to change, I first of all have to become a born again believer. I have to invite God his, in, in his Holy Spirit to take up residence in me because I can't change on my own. Not the kind of change that God wants us to have. Now, anybody, now, come on now, all of us can, can maybe change a habit or two, right? But what we're talking about is this inward life transformation that allows us to look at and see this world differently. To see it from God's perspective, and that takes a born-again experience. So the first step in the process is to become a born-again Christian. Uh, and again, I, I, I want to place emphasis on the first step in changing is to become a born-again believer because it's the step. It's the first step. Making a decision does not automatically equal change. Right? When you first make that decision, when you first invite Christ to come into your heart to save you, whether it's a revival meeting, whether it's a church service, or whether your roommate in college led you to Christ, that decision starts the process. But you and I both know that when we made that decision, not everything changed immediately, did it? I promise you, some of y'all got saved in college the next weekend when the party came around, you probably kind of still want to go to that party. Anybody in the house? When, when, you, when you got saved, that, your, that boo who you hook it up with, you still want to, your body still want to hook up with that boo. Boo, yeah. Is that right? So, 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 so immediate change, amen, didn't take place in all areas of our life, but salvation is the first step in the process. It's the first step in the process. And what I would tell you, as I've told you before, one of the critical things that we as a ministry have to get better at is helping people move from the first step to the process of, of being transformed. Sanctification, being made different. All right. We, we have to, we individually have to grow in our faith so that we can be there to help people who make that decision. It's hard for us to help people who make that decision if we're not changing ourselves by allowing the Holy Spirit to do his work in us. Okay. Y'all still with me? So, so again, uh, discipling is critically important. Guys, one of the things that I, I want to share with you that my heart 
as your pastor is to see leaders be developed in this church, spiritual leaders, not just church members, but I want to see a man, spiritual leaders develop in this church so that you can go and grab somebody who's, who's, who's young in the faith and help disciple them. God needs, and this ministry needs spiritual leaders who are willing to say, I'm going to invest some time in someone. But in order to be a spiritual leader, you and I must first grow ourselves. We must first change ourselves. Amen? When I say change ourselves, I don't mean we're going to do it on our own because the type transformation that God desires in our life is going to require the working of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We need spiritual leaders in this church. Too many people sit back and wait rather than growing and advancing and allowing God to use them to help reach somebody else. Somebody needs you to pour into their life. You're going to have some influence with people who I, who I, who may not ever want to even really talk to me. You, 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 each one of us in here have, have a circle of influence wherever we go, whether it's in our home, in our families, on our jobs, uh, where we are from our hometowns. We have influence. And God desires to use us to help transform people. But it must start with us growing ourselves first. So the first step in that process is becoming a born again believer. Now, Timothy was a was a Christian. And Paul, Paul, when he writes to Timothy, let's get back here. Uh, if you will, read, read down with me. Go just a little bit further. Let's go to uh, to verse nine and ten right quick. He says, he said, this is the trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Verse 10. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God who is the savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Verse number t- verse number 11. Let's go. It says, well, teach these things. Now, notice what well, again, let's go back and reflect. Paul was Timothy's what? What was the relationship? He was his what? Spiritual father. Timothy was his spiritual son. What role did Timothy play? What, what, what was he? He was a young man. He was a pastor. He, he flowed in the role of a pastor. So Paul is encouraging young Timothy in his pastoral role to, to handle himself a certain way. He even told him in one part, don't let people look down on you because you're young. He says, be an example of the believers in your youth. So he says, teach these things and insist that everyone do what? That everyone learn them. Okay? But basically what he says, Timothy, if you're ever going to become godly, you're going to have to be in a position where you, first of all, discipline yourself. You got to discipline yourself before you can help <laughs> discipline somebody else, before you can help teach somebody else. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Now, guys, listen, as your pastor, I take this very seriously. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Now, I know that, that I can't make anybody do anything. I mean, because grown people will do what? What grown people want to do. If you hadn't learned that by now, you're going to stay frustrated. Amen. You're going to stay frustrated. If you are dealing with people, working with people, managing people, you got to realize that ultimately... Grown people will do whatever they want to do, especially if you ain't paying them. 
Now, if you're paying someone, you got a little bit of a control of them, don't you, if they still want to get paid. Now, and even to that extent, you don't have that much control because some, some people are fools up to say, I don't, I don't care what, how much you pay. I mean, you blank, 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 get out of my face. So now you, 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 you. Have y'all worked anybody this crazy like that? Okay. All right. So, so to a certain extent, you can't control anybody, particularly when it comes to their spiritual walk. They have to desire. So, but what I do understand is that my responsibility is to teach these things and insist that you as a member of Elizabeth Baptist Church learn these things. All right, go to the next verse. Come on, let's go. Watch this. Here's what I quoted earlier. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Now let's unpack that. He says be an example to what? All believers in what you say. Now watch this. What we say with our mouths has impact. Death and life is where? Power to tongue. So as a believer, listen to me carefully. I want y'all to hear me. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. Guys, one of the key indicators of your spiritual development is what comes out of your mouth. If you can't control your tongue, you are not maturing in your faith. Let me say it again. If you cannot control your tongue, if you don't speak faith-filled words and words of exhortation, if you got a potty mouth, if you have a negative Nelly mouth, everything is negative. Everything is looking on the bad side of stuff. If you if you don't learn how to speak faith-filled words, and your speech is always derogatory, you mean, you're ugly, there's a maturity problem in your life. He says, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers, number one, in what you say. Number two, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your what? Purity. Look at verse 13 and 14 with the right quick. That's right. He says, what? Until I get there. Who's, who's saying this? Paul? Talking to who? Timothy? Son of the ministry. Until I get there, focus on what? Reading the scriptures to the church. Encouraging the believers. There it is again. And teaching them. Man, I have a passion for teaching God's people. Here's why I have a passion for that. Because once I learn the scripture and I learn how to walk in faith, I saw the benefits in my life. I, I saw how, how walking by faith will give you the opportunity to, to be able to accomplish a whole lot in this life that we live. But we, as believers, it's, it's, it, the faith walk cannot be vibrant in our individual walks if we do not have any word time. So he says, watch this, until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and doing what? And teaching them. Reading scriptures, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. I want every last one of y'all in here to know that you are valuable to the body of Christ, and I want every last one of you all here to know that, that you are capable of doing everything that God has assigned for you to do. I don't want to come in and beat you up every Sunday and tell you how bad you are and what you did last weekend. I, I want you to know that, hey, listen, you can live a victorious Christian life. I want you to know that no matter who you are, no matter what color your skin is, God can use you 
to do some supernatural things here in the earth realm. And you need to know that. That needs to be settled in your spirit, okay? Is everybody still with me? Look at the next verse 14. We're going to close out here. It says, do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. 15, 15. Let's go real quick. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself in, into your task so that everyone will see your what? So everyone will see your progress. Everyone will see your progress. Guys and girls, people who are in relationship with you should be able to see that you're growing in your faith. If people who are close to you don't see anything, then there's a good chance there ain't nothing happening. Look at what he says. I didn't make this up. He says, throw yourself into your task. So what? That everyone will see your progress. Last one, verse 16. Let's go. It says, keep a close watch on how you live. And here it is again. And on your what? Teaching. Paul is, is, is hounding and he's, he's driving his point home to Timothy. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Okay? All right. So so again, Paul is encouraging Timothy to hear in his walk. And and what he he starts off by saying, listen, bodily exercise profit little compared to spiritual training. So get your bodily exercise, but train yourself spiritually even more. That, that spiritual training is more important than bodily training. Are y'all with me? Okay, so look, look at your outline. So if so, the first step is becoming a born-again believer, right? Making sure we understand that process. Making sure that we've really given our heart to Jesus and we've not just been a church member. Do you realize there are people who are going to miss heaven, but they, but they were in church every Sunday? Do you realize there are going to be some folks who, who we thought really had given their heart to Jesus, but they've just been coming to church for 30 years? Don't be that person, please. Please don't be that person who misses heaven because you never gave your heart to Jesus truly. You just you were just a good Baptist. I want you to grow in your faith. So so if if we're gonna if we're gonna change, what what are some things to avoid if we're gonna change? Number one, ungodly teaching. <laughs> you gotta be careful what table you eat from. Are you tracking with me? You got to be careful from what table you eat from. I always say this, especially when you're a family, it's difficult, I think, to grow spiritually and as a, even as a family when y'all are eating from two different tables. Uh, well, I, I, I personally believe that husband and wife should be united with the same congregation. Now, not saying that it can't happen. Well, because I, I know some of us may have grew up in where, where back in the old days you had churches that had and there may be still something around. They had one church had church on first and third Sunday, and the other church had church on second and fourth Sunday. Mom and daddy's church, mama's church was on first and third or whatever, and daddy's was on second and fourth. So now they they did that all their life, but they were eating from two different tables. I mean, it's it becomes difficult because what'll happen is if you you're eating, you're getting fed, you're growing, you're vibrant, and your husband, your wife may be at a church where they they're stagnated. They're not being encouraged to their word. They're not being fed faithfully. They, they come home excited, but they don't know anything. So now as you begin to grow, 
in your spiritual walk, then this other person is still here, there's going to be conflict. So it's important to be eating from the same table, all right, spiritually speaking. So Psalms, the first number, go there right quick, Psalm number one. So ungodly, avoid ungodly teaching. Everything you hear on TV is not good for you to eat. Have you saw some people on TV before preaching? I mean, there's some good ministers and there's some that you're like, Lord, if you got money, anybody can be on TV. Am I right about it? Trust me, turn it on, turn the radio on, and, and all it takes is to be able to pay the bill. The radio station does not make a judgment or determination about the, the, uh, the validity of the teaching that's going on on that radio station. They, 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 as a general rule, if you can pay, you can come on there and talk. Amen? If, have y'all heard some? <laughs> all right. Now, again, I think it's important for us to realize that we got to avoid, amen, uh, ungodly teaching, teaching that, that does not uh, reflect, amen, the heart of God and it's not based on scripture. Look, look at this. Y'all know this. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the vice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. What is it saying? But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Guys, listen, watch this. All of us have to be careful about who we hang out and who we listen to. All right. We, we, you, I think Paul said it may have been over in Second Corinthians where he says, uh, do not be deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. In other words, when you hang out with people who are walking in evil, evil ways, it's going to eventually impact you. So Paul, uh, the psalmist said here that, uh, that, that he talks about not hanging out with the ungodly. OK, or sitting in the seat of the scornful. But he says they are like trees. Planted by the, along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Now, who's he talking about? He's talking about those who delight in the law of the Lord, and in the law that they meditate day and night. They like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Look at verse number four. Watch this. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. Verse five and six. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to what? It leads to destruction. So in order to, to become godly, you must discipline yourself to avoid ungodly teaching. Be careful about what you listen to. All right. Look at the next thing. If we're going to change, if we're going to experience transformation, we got to avoid tempting activities Practices, places, and people. Stuff that tempts us, we got to avoid it. Avoid tempting activities. How many of y'all got some stuff that, that, that still still has a pull and a draw on you? Huh? None of y'all are tempted. Avoid stuff that that's got a pull on you. Avoid places and people that have a pull on you in a negative way. Go to Proverbs, the fourth chapter with me right quick. Proverbs, the fourth chapter. 
avoid situations that have a pull on you. I mean, maybe the person is not evil in of themselves, but but y'all got some history. I said y'all got some history. Nobody else in the church know y'all got history, but y'all know y'all got history. Can I be can I be honest with you all? Huh? Just 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 if y'all would look at me right quick and then close your eyes and 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 just kind of close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes and, and, and nod your head. You got history with somebody. OK, yeah, I, I see. You. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So 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 if, if you got history and you know that that y'all, y'all kind of know what I'm talking about. right? I, I don't want to just. Yeah. You got history with that person and you know that there's still a pull. There's still a a physical and or an emotional attachment. Hello? Because how many of y'all know all the affairs aren't physical? There's, there's something that's called an emotional affair. Hello? You ain't never did nothing, but you, you, know, you just, you just, you just kind of, you, you look forward to the, the conversation. I ain't talked to your wife in five years, but you look forward to talking to her every day. Emotional attachments develop. So, so if, if, if you're going to, if, if, if we're going to change, we got to avoid tempting activities, places, practices, and people. Look at Proverbs 4th chapter. It says, don't do as the wicked do and don't follow the path of evildoers. Watch this, verse 15. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. That's what Paul says, flee fornication. Okay? He says, run from it. So, there, there, there are some things that, that we, that as, as human beings in our flesh, we may struggle with. So we got to make sure that we keep the proper boundary up. You know the boundary is, right? Something that blocks somebody from getting in. Okay, you got to keep the boundary up or keeping you from going, going out when you shouldn't be going out. Okay, watch this. So, so don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and do what? And keep moving. Look at verse number 27, that very same chapter. So don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from what? Following evil. Go to the seventh chapter and look at verse six. We'll read, we won't read all this, but we'll, we'll go down. It says, while I was at the window of my house, looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men. And one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. It was at twilight in the evening as deep darkness fell. The woman approached him, seductively dressed and sly of heart. She was the brash, rebellious type, never content to stay at home. We got those kind. Y'all know that, right? She is often in the streets and the market, market soliciting at every corner. She threw her arms around him and kissed him. And with a brazen look, she said, I've just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. Watch this. You're the one I was looking for. I came out to find you. And here you are. My bed is spread with beautiful blankets, with colored sheets of Egyptian linen. That's fine linen, guys, in case you didn't know. 
I perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Bed smell good. Come, let's drink our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses. Watch this, for my husband is not, oh, Lord Jesus, she married. <laughs> for my husband is not home. He's away on a long trip. He has taken a wallet full of money with him and won't return until later this month. So she seduced him with a pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. Silly young man. Everybody says silly young man. This here woman, you got to be careful. You got to, you know, sometimes you can pick up on a certain spirit. Huh? Sometimes you can pick up on a certain spirit. You, and, 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 and I'm going to say this, and I'm saying this about brother, but I'm saying this about sisters also. You, you got to be very careful. You, you got to put, everybody say, we, we got to learn how to run. <laughs> we we, we got to learn how to run. You got you got to learn how to to position yourself and learn, okay? And 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 get get good at that, okay? Because this this immoral woman seductively pulled this young young guy in, okay? And so we got to be careful. So first thing is we said things avoid ungodly teaching. We got to make sure we stay solid in our teaching. We got to we got to uh, avoid uh, tempting activities, practices, places, and people that tend to draw us in. Third thing, bad company. Avoid bad company. Avoid church gossipers. Avoid negative people who talk down what the ministry is doing. If you don't want to help with ministry, don't try to block ministry. I've said it before, guys, and I, I really truly mean this. If, if, you, if you ever get to a point to where you feel like this is not the place for you, then, then and, and, and the Holy Spirit is leading you, you're not leaving because you're mad about something. I, it's, it's, it's a bad thing to leave a church because you're mad. Hello? Now, if the Holy Spirit is leading you, that's one thing, but don't ever leave a place because you're mad about something. And you didn't, you didn't, you didn't handle the problem, you didn't get it right, you didn't do what the Bible said do about going to the person and all that. You, you, you took tail and ran. That's not a good thing to do. Because what, what you find yourself doing is you'll hop from church to church to church and never be settled anywhere. Uh, but but I do realize that there's some times when, when the Holy Spirit will lead people away, but don't ever leave a place because you're mad. And don't ever leave a place without talking to your spiritual leadership. If the Holy Spirit does lead you, don't just up and, and go and don't say nothing to anybody. Next thing you know, it's been, you know, we look around, well, it's been two months since we've seen you. And as the church grows, you know, I, I used to know who's where on Sunday, but I don't, I can't tell now because as we fill up, some of y'all are, y'all in my line of sight, you sit, you sit in the same spot. Every Sunday, and I know where you are. I, 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 my eyes are trained to look for you, okay? I, my eyes, are, <laughs> it's like right now. I know Carl and Doris are on the left on, on Wednesday and on the right on, on Sunday. <laughs> I know that. I mean, I, I just, and if they're not there, I'm, I'm, I'm asking, where, where the Robinsons at? Are they out of town? I mean, it becomes, I, are you following me? But, but as the ministry grows, sometimes you, you can't see everybody, and so, People leave. Sometimes people just up and leave and don't and don't don't say anything. That's not the right way to leave. If you are going to leave, leave the right way. Okay, are y'all following me? All right. So, so again, bad company. Go to First Corinthians fifteen. I, I quoted this earlier. First Corinthians fifteen and thirty-three. Who you hang out with will impact you. 
Glory to God. Watch this. Watch this. Come on, let's go. Don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, I know as parents, all of us have probably have taught our children or, or tried to get, steer our children away from certain type people. And, and here's what you got to be careful about, though, okay? Because sometimes we always say, well, he's a good kid. He's got caught up with the wrong people. Sometimes your kid is one of the wrong people. All right? It ain't all the time he's a good kid that got caught up. Not a lot of time it is. But you got to be, look, look, look what the scripture says. Don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company does what? Can we back up just for a second? Go, go back to uh, verse number 31. Uh, yeah, 31. It says, for I swear, dear brothers, and sisters, that I face death daily. This is, a cert- this is as certain as my pride and this is as certain as my pride in what Christ Jesus our Lord has done in you. 32 says, well, and what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those people of Ephesus, if there will be no resurrection from the dead? And if there's no resurrection, let's feast and drink for tomorrow we're going to die. Paul says, if, if, if there ain't no res- resurrection today, we just might well just get drunk and just, just eat and just, just go and die. Right, but what, what he says, look at, look at the next verse. It says, don't be fooled by those who say such things. What he was dealing with was there were, there were people who, who denied that there was a resurrection of the dead. And so Paul said, don't be fooled by that false teaching. There is a resurrection of the dead. If Christ is not raised, if there is no resurrection of the dead, let's turn the lights off and go home. But there is a resurrection of the dead. He said, so, so, so for bad company corrupts good men. Don't be fooled by those who say such things that there's no resurrection of the dead. For bad company corrupts good men. You can get hold to some bad doctrine and cause you to, to, to do some stuff that's, that's against God's will. And, and people have done that where they've got hold to some bad doctrine. They were t- and because they were not strong spiritual themselves, someone talked them into some stuff. And now they are going out there in la-la land. Stay true to the word of God, okay? So, look, so bad company. Look at Proverbs 1, right quick. Hurry. Proverbs 1, verse number 10. Proverbs chapter number 1, verse 10. It says, my child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. Next verse, let's go. Uh, they may say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill someone just for fun. Let's ambush the innocent. Verse 12, let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Verse 13, think of the great things we'll get. We'll fill our houses with all the stuff we take. Uh, come, throw in your lot with us. We'll all share the loot. These are evil folks talking about how they're going to rob somebody. My child, don't go along with them. Stay far from their past. 16, they rush to commit evil deeds. They hurry to commit a murder. If a bird sees the trap being set, it knows to stay away. <laughs> but these people set an ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed. 19 and 20. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. 20. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. Follow wisdom and not foolish people. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Uh, avoid sinful thinking. Y'all know 2 Corinthians 10 chapter talks about bringing every thought into captivity. Can I get a show of hands? How many of all, how many of you in here? like myself, have faults that come to your mind that are not pure. Can we raise our hands? All right. None of us are proud of that, but all of us think stuff that we shouldn't think. 
Right? And so Paul said that we have to bring the thoughts into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. So literally, here's what should happen as we go about our daily walk and as we are thinking about different things. When a thought comes my way, Brother Danny, I got to evaluate that thought. I got to put the word of God up against that thought and say, okay, does this match what the word says? If this thought that's coming in my head doesn't match what the word says, I'm going to put the word on and let, let the word eat that thought up. Because, again, we are human beings and the enemy is going to send stuff our way. The enemy will try to get us to do stuff that will ruin our testimony. But we got to make sure that we bring every thought into captivity, as 2 Corinthians 10 says, unto the obedience of Christ. Go to James 1, 13 and 14. So we got to avoid sinful thinking. Don't meditate on sinful thinking. One of the best ways I found to chase out sinful thinking is start praying. Start praying. When it comes, and then go to the word of God and read some scripture. It's hard to let that thought stay in there when you're reading word at the same time. So th- that's a practical way to capture that evil thought. But if you, if you just sit there and meditate on that thing, come on now. If you sit there and just think on it long enough, you're going to go get up and hit that person you're mad with. Right? How many of y'all ever thought of something so long and then all of a sudden... Uh, you, you just, you just, you just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's a term they're using now. Is it called flashing? Is it flash out? Is that, is that the term they're using now? Some of y'all old folks are like, what are you talking about, bro, Pastor? Flash, I, I was in, the, I picked this up in the barbershop, man. All right. That means that you're going to, you're going to, you're going to jump on somebody. You're going you're gonna to tear the place up. Don't flash out. Don't flash out. Let the word transform your thinking. But if you stay meditating on that thing long enough, you'll find yourself doing it. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempted me. God is never tempted to do, do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else to do wrong. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. So temptation comes from our own desire. God is not going to tempt you to do evil. God will test your faith. Okay, but he's not going to tempt you to do evil. So we got to make sure that we avoid sinful thinking and then avoid unbiblical actions on stuff that you know is dead wrong. Avoid it. OK, now, so those are things to avoid ungodly teaching stuff that's tempting us, bad company, sinful thinking and unbiblical action. Now, when it comes to bad company, this, you can have bad company in the church. In other words. When you have people who are negative, people who are talking about other people, you need to remove yourself. First of all, you, you need to challenge them. Say, hey, listen, brother, that's not right. If you got a problem with, with brother so-and-so, you need to go to him one-on-one like the scripture teaches. Don't sit there and entertain that negative gossip and talk. You follow me? We have a responsibility to be biblical. Well, I don't want to say nothing, brother, pastor. I just, I just, amen. it is your business. They came to you with some negative stuff and you're their brother. You are your brother's keeper. You have a responsibility to be biblical and say, hey, listen, man, here's what we've been taught from the lesson. Here's what the scripture teaches us. Let's, here's what you got to do. You got to go to that person and talk to him. You talking to me, but you ain't said anything to him. You follow me? 
That's how you keep mess down. When you come to me with some stuff about somebody, okay, I want to know. First of all, hey, we went and talked to him. Okay, let, let, let's, let's call him here. So, since I think you may be, maybe you're a little fearful about it. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the media. Call him in. Let's talk. Let's, let's get it out. She said what? You said she said that? They did that? Did you do that? Okay, if you did that, that's wrong. Okay, he, 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 here's what the word of God says right here. That's, that was wrong. And I remember we said on Sunday, church people need to learn how to handle their stuff within the confines of the church. All right? And so when, when, when your spiritual leadership shows you the word of God, you have a responsibility to accept what the word of God says. And not, well, you know, I run my own house. It ain't got to do about you running your house. It's got to be about what you, what you being biblical. You run it, but you run it the wrong way. You run it in the ground. Let the word of God abide. But you can keep out mess by letting truth reign. Amen. And I thank God. Some of y'all, <laughs> I didn't show y'all that last video um, uh, Sunday, uh, but that church three years later, guys, the very same church got turmoil in the church. So something is dead wrong there. Somebody's not focused on doing God's will. And, 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 to, and to have TV cameras up in there and to have deacons fighting against members and turning the lights off and turning the microphone system off while they're trying to have church. The interim pastor couldn't even preach. Some of y'all ain't never been in nothing like that. But, but <laughs> I thank God. I, I thank God for experiences because I saw some stuff when I was a, a young Christian. We married when I first got married uh, at our home church. And it was, it was, it was, I mean, it, it was, it, it was, church could be messy sometimes. I mean, in, in, in a boastful, bold kind of way. That was some bold demons in those churches. I mean, they, but, but I thank God that, that I learned how not to do church. And so here we're going to teach and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to love you. And, and we're not going to allow that kind of behavior to go on in this church. You got to set a certain atmosphere. All right. So we teach the word of God. All right. Now, last thing, things to develop. We got to develop a desire for sound teaching. You got to you got to want some sound teaching. You got to want sound teaching. Now, my appetite has changed over the years. Uh, When I say appetite, I, I like good preaching. I like good exhortational preaching. I mean, I, I like to stand up and clap while the preacher's preaching, but I, I, I need to be told something. I need to be able to follow you in the scripture. I don't need you to just give me old Christianese phraseology, the stuff that you've heard all your life, you know, and, and you, you just whine and, 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 and I, 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 listen, guys, I tell you before, I'm okay with hooping if you teaching me something before you start hooping. Are y'all with me? I tell you, man, I used to love to hear Gilbert Patterson preach. Still do his, he's dead and gone, but his broadcast still coming on. Bountiful blessing. That man, he, but he, he broke the word of God down. And he had a little, little our flavor. You know, we got a little flavor. Can't, you know, we kind of can do stuff in a very unique way. Y'all, which y'all agree with me. So I'm, I'm okay, but don't get up there and start hooping at me. You ain't told me anything. 
haven't broken the scripture down and you just give me this old stuff that people have heard out down through the years and, and people will, you can you can you can shout people on a lot of stuff. But we need word. Okay, so developing a desire for sound teaching. First Peter two and two says as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So a desire for sound teaching. Sound teaching means that I'm I'm when I come to church, I want my Bible with me. And I want to know, okay, pastor, what are you what are you trying to teach us? What is my takeaway? And how am I going to apply this the rest of the week? Show me what you want me to know from the scripture, what God has given you so that I can make application. I like sound biblical teaching. I can listen to good biblical teaching for a long time. Amen. But I hate bad preaching. I mean, when somebody has not prepared the word of God, when they, when they, when, can we be honest? Sometimes there, there have been some messages that I've heard, and there have been some messages, to be quite honest, there have been some messages I preach, I wish I could have back. I, I, sometimes, you know, when you do this 50, 50, 50 weeks out of the year, twice a week, sometimes it ain't gonna, sometimes it ain't, it ain't gonna be, sometimes I don't connect. Uh, yeah, sometimes it don't connect. Sometimes y'all look at me like, oh, Lord, what is Pastor talking about? <laughs> but by and large, I, I like going straight down the scripture and teaching. And, but but I've been in places where I'm like, I, I felt, I, I literally felt sorry for the people who were under that pastoralship because I know they can't grow with that kind of teaching, preaching. I know that they're suffering because if that's what they're getting every Sunday, man. I, I felt sorry. My heart was burdened for them because you can't really grow without your. You can't grow really higher than your spiritual leadership as a congregation. You follow me? I know individually you can grow. But but when you when you have a congregation that has poor preaching, poor teaching, it's going to limit their growth as newborn babies desire the sense of the word that you may grow thereby. OK, so again, uh, Develop a desire for sound teaching. Number two, develop a commitment to prayer. A co- if you're going to change, you got to start praying. And not just when you need something. You got to start praying on a regular basis. The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous does what? It avails much. And so, so we got to, we, we got to Make a develop a commitment to prayer. Look at Colossians the fourth chapter, verse number two. Colossians four, verse number two, and then we look, skip down to verse number twelve. It says, "Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart." Now, I want to encourage you guys. Now, listen. Um, I was speaking to a pastor today, and uh, he had invited me to come share in August with the church. He says. He says uh, they have they they do they intercessory prayer on Sunday morning. He said they have about fifty averaging fifty peoples peoples fifty people on Sunday morning for about that thirty minute intercessory prayer period. I said, man, that, that's that's awesome. We do intercessory prayer, guys, here on Wednesdays, starting at six, and there's only a few of us here. I know some people, some people are working, uh, and, and we do intercessory prayer on Sunday morning, starting at eight fifteen, thirty minutes before Sunday school starts. And guys, it's, it's dwindled. People aren't praying corporately. 
Now, yeah, you can pray in your own house, but when I believe that when when we come together corporately to pray, we draw strength from one another. One will put a thousand to flight. Two will put what? Ten thousand to flight. So let's not forget the importance of intercessory prayer. But you're not going to be interested in playing corporately if you're not praying individually. So let's commit ourselves to a prayer life. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Let's get back to praying. Amen? Uh, look, look, skip down with me to verse number 12 of that very same chapter. Come on, I got to get out of here. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. Epaphras, a man who's with Paul here, he says, Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you. Guys, I, I, I solicit your prayers. I can't pass it without people praying for me. We got to pray for each other. Amen. I, one of the things that, that that's been such a blessing, even in the midst of this, you know, the, 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 the tragic thing of the breast cancer with malaria uh, and, and some other stuff that others are going through. As those as those needs are made known, people are literally praying, have us on their prayer list. Amen. And and people are all around are praying and interceding. And man, that's power in prayer, guys. Are y'all with me? Okay, so so a commitment to pray, a, a biblical pattern of thinking, a biblical thinking, uh, develop a, a pattern of biblical thinking. Okay, and I'm not gonna go there, but Romans Romans 12, y'all know that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God changes our behavior by changing the way we think. Philippians 4 talks about uh, whatsoever is true, just, honest, of good report. There be any virtue, there be any praise. Think on those things, okay? All right. So we got to think on those things. Develop a pattern of biblical. A, a, develop a pattern of biblical thinking. You got to develop that because you, our minds naturally think like the, the, the sinful nature that we that we have in this flesh. So we got to develop a pattern of biblical thinking. Develop a pattern, a practice of obedient living. Learning to walk in obedience. When I learn something then I got to start doing what I learned. Develop a pattern of what? Come on now, y'all sleep on me. <laughs> Develop a pattern of what? Obedient living. Guys, when you, when, whenever we, the word of God is broken down and we know something, we have an obligation to do that. To whom much is given, what? Much is required. So there's no excuses when you know. I told you before, it'd be better for you not to be at a church that teaches you than to be at one that teaches you and you ignore what you're taught. Okay? Uh, develop a support team of biblical friends. You need some people who are going to encourage you. A support team of biblical friends. Look at Hebrews 3, right quick. Hebrews 3, 12, and 13. Look at that right Pop it up right quick. A support team of biblical friends. That means that Especially if you're a new convert, you can't, you probably gonna have to stop, not probably, you're gonna have to stop hanging out with those guys you used to drink and smoke weed with. If they're still drinking and smoking weed. Now, it's such time that you get strong 
in your faith and you can go back and get them, then certainly you have a responsibility and an obligation to witness to them. But but if you you just got saved four months ago, you're probably not strong enough. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're not strong enough to go back there and reach them right now. Okay? Now, here's what's going to happen. In order for you to, to not indulge when you have to pull away, first thing they're going to say is, you think you're better than us. Huh? First thing they're going to say is, since you're going to that Elizabeth Baptist Church, that Doyle Adams fellow, you think you're something now. Yeah. But here's what you got to realize. You got, you got to live for you, and you got to face God for yourself and not your friends. So whatever it takes to keep you on the right track, you do whatever it takes to keep you on the right track. Let people talk. You want to talk to you want to you want to have conversation? Talk to them on the phone. But you can't go down there to, you know on that Friday night, that Saturday when they're hanging out on the tree. Uh, if, everybody hanging out on the tree ain't doing nothing devious. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't want to leave you, but but a lot of time it is, okay? Yeah, okay? So develop a pattern. Uh, again, uh, de- develop a support team of biblical friends. Text that, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. 13, you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. We need that support team of biblical friends. You need people um, that's going to help you to grow in your faith. And lastly, uh, develop a habit of God honoring speech. And we talked about this before. Uh, go to Ephesians 4 and 29. Develop a habit of God honoring speech. Look what the text says. Can we read it out loud on purpose? Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement. That's what, the, that's, that's what your Bible says. That's what my Bible says. Can we, let's read it out loud again on purpose. Come on, let's go. Verse 30 for good measure. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved. So don't 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 grieve the Holy Spirit by the way you live. That's what he says. Okay, so if we do these things, guys, we're going to see change in our lives. Avoid those first things. And develop those second things. But make sure you're saved first and foremost, okay? Look at, this, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you can change. Say again, say, neighbor, you can change. Get a Lord a hand in praise. God bless you.